All right, today on the podcast, we are doing something totally different, something that we talked about a while ago, almost as a joke, but now it has become a reality. We're calling it a vlogcast. We are out here on Abbott Kinney in Venice. Both of us have lav microphones on, and we are walking around. We're just gonna live life and record it. So this actually was born out of an idea for us to daily vlog and thinking about like, what would that look like as a podcast? What would a daily vlog look like as a podcast? And we talked about, man, wouldn't it be interesting if you wore lav mics and walked around and vlogged? So while we walk around and vlog today, we are gonna be answering questions that some of you gave us. So we asked you guys to put questions in the review section of our podcast, and we are gonna be pulling from those answering some of those questions, and you're also just gonna get a little bit of our life. We're gonna walk and go get a coffee right now. We're gonna walk probably down to the beach in Venice. There might be some wind, there might be some people interacting with us, but we'll see what happens. It's an experiment, and it's something that, you know, we've just been interested in trying. All right, coffee. All right, let's do it. Our coffee of choice is the Blue Bottle on Abbott Kinney. And it's just generally Blue Bottle all Yeah, the time. it's actually probably gonna be pretty loud in here, so just bear with us while we do this. Yes. What are you gonna get? Uh, I'm gonna get an iced latte because it's like 100 degrees out here in Venice today. Yeah, I'll probably do the same. Yeah. Hey, how's it going? Good. I'm gonna do an iced latte with almond milk to go. Yeah, whatever you want. I'm gonna do an iced latte with oat milk to go. Solid. I feel very vulnerable right now that everyone knows my coffee order. Yeah, that's everything. I got it. You got it? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Are you insecure because we order some really bougie coffees? <laughs> yes. That's exactly why I'm, uh, I'm insecure about it. All right, so we have about 10 questions pulled that are on my phone from you guys. We pulled out the 10 um, best ones. And maybe we'll get started while one of our coffees gets made. Sure. So, let's see. First of all, thank you to everyone who has reviewed the podcast so far. Really means a lot to us. This was my favorite review. It's not a question, but this is from FrostBreath15. Uh, gave us five stars, which is very nice, uh, but his review was just pretty good. Yeah, I like that one. I thought that's, it was funny. That's probably my favorite. You know, not great. Yeah. Pretty good. That's my favorite review of the podcast. Um, so, let's get into this one. This one's from Will Craig says, this is one of my favorite podcasts. Thank you, Will. Says, uh, is my question for the Q&A, how do you guys go about turning an idea into a reality, whether it's a video idea or a business idea like you did with Lacrosse Network? Whoa, maybe we should just start with a video idea. Yeah, I mean, I think there's been different iterations of this as time has gone on, but we actually just made a video about turning an idea into reality which was someone we met in New York, a guy named Red Gaskell. He had an idea for a book where he took Kanye's tweets and he made illustrations and put them together and ended up releasing a book. And it became the number one bestseller, new release on Amazon. To hear more of that story, go to our YouTube channel. But Colin, how do we start turning an idea into reality? Well, let's take that video specifically, the video that came out today about that story about Red who made a book. We met Red, came back to LA, and Samir was really jacked up. And was like, we're making a video about this. We just gotta make a video about this. Yeah. And I was like, all right, that's cool, you know? And Samir kind of took the first step to say that this is a video we wanna make. 
and even took the initiative to set up a little bit of what the video was going to become. He wanted to have a Skype call with Red, and he wanted to shoot some overhead shots of the book. So that was kind of the first two things that we did for that video. That one was sort of all initiated by you. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the interesting thing is that whenever you have an idea, usually, at least for me, the, the first step is just writing it down. Um, it becomes tangible the second you put it into writing. You have an idea like, okay, I want to make a video about this. Okay, what things do I need? For me, I was like, all right, I, I want the book. All right, I think this one is the oat, and this one's the almond. Okay, we'll uh, find out. I'll be honest, not totally sure. Okay. All right. Did you keep talking about the question? I was going to, and then I realized that your lab mic might pick up some stuff. All right. Hold on, I took too many straws. Should put this back, and all right, let's get on with the question. No. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know which one's which. Okay, so back to the question. So, like I was saying, one of the first steps into turning your idea into reality is putting it into any sort of tangible form. And what that means for me usually is writing it down. And that was uh, a lot of what happened with our first business with Lacrosse Network. It was an idea that just hadn't really, I, there was no other model for it really for me at the time. So writing it down and starting to flush it out, that's usually how things come to life. And usually for us, if it's like a video idea or anything like that, if we spend the time writing, yeah. then oftentimes it's much easier to develop a plan for it. What shots do you need? Who do you need to call? What do you need to do to actually start to put things in motion to make it a reality? I think for us, for videos, it all comes down to writing. It's just a matter of at what point in the process we do the writing. So if we do a bunch of writing in the beginning, we have the idea and we plan everything out, it's a much more seamless process. It doesn't leave as much room for the unexpected, which I really like in mm -hmm. projects, but it's definitely gonna, you're gonna be able to finish that project a lot faster for us. Yeah. I think the red one was a little bit of both, the video that we put out today. Yeah. It was a mix of a little bit of planning and then kind of a lot of writing on the back end. Yeah. Because initially it wasn't even gonna be a video that had voiceover and was as fast as it was. It was sort of just like a, vlog us talking to the camera mm -hmm. and it, it, it changed through the writing. So that's a really good point as well. When you're turning an idea into reality, for us, like part of the deal that we really enjoy is leaving room for the unexpected. And that might mean leaving room for the unexpected in the actual production of it, of saying, okay, let's go out and film and whatever we get, we're gonna come back and figure out. But that's still a part of the planning up front. So if you say, I want to make a documentary, right? And you put, put that down on paper, I'm making a documentary. This person, here are like some of the things I want to get. Okay, I need to spend one day just acquiring footage and seeing what happens. Yeah. I think for us, that's the biggest thing. Even with this episode of the podcast, we had an idea to do something where we just answered these questions and we walked around Venice. Yep. And now we're doing it. And to be honest, it could be very different once this actually comes out. Right. Because we may have to edit parts out. We may have to re-record some audio. But it's just the process of like, like the most important step for us is just getting out here and doing it. Yeah. Even if we fail and we don't even end up using this audio right now, it gives us a basis for where we can go next and how we can change it the next time. Exactly. So to sum that up. I think we might be in the way of these scooters. Yep, we are in the way of guys who are scootering. Carry on. So there's these scooters all over Venice Beach right now, like everywhere. They're called bird scooters. 
And I was really against them because they just lay all over the place. Like literally there's two in front of us. So there's, there's no, actually five in front of us right now. You know, like city bikes in New York, like they have a dock, like you have to take them from one dock to another. Yeah. These are not like that. These are just scooters that you can take wherever you want and you just leave them on the ground like trash. <laughs> and there's tons of them. Yeah, you can just kind of pick it up, like scan a QR code. Okay, so to sum that up, basically what I would say is if you, want to, if you have an idea and you want to turn it into a reality, spend a little bit of time thinking about it, plan what you're gonna to need to make it happen or at least just get started with it. And then the best thing to do is to get started. Once you start, then you're gonna figure it out. And uh, there's a common phrase in entrepreneurship that's like, being an entrepreneur, that was what? insane. That was the most insane thing I've ever seen. <laughs> Let me just paint this picture. We were just talking about these scooters. We just saw a like monster vehicle. truck. The monster truck of scooters. Yeah. It was just as went if by. it was like a vehicle, like a car. Venice yeah, is Venice not is real great. life. Okay. Also, I can tell you've had coffee because you're starting to like scream entrepreneurship terms. Yeah, I'm very excited. Like, I'm, half, all I'm already of, halfway all of through Venice my coffee. can hear your entrepreneurial like, <laughs> like lecture so, that's happening right now. So I'm gonna leave you with this on that topic, and then we'll move on to another question. Is that a lot of entrepreneurship or bringing something to life is uh, jumping off a cliff and building an airplane on the way down. And that is a lot of what we do, to be honest. I mean, usually when we come up with an idea, we just jump and then we figure it out on the way down. Yeah, so that's true. Get, your, get yourself in a place to jump and then... Get yourself a parachute. Yeah. Which reminds me, Colin and I are going skydiving next month. Three weeks. Yeah, and I am terrified of heights. And Samir is terrified of flying. So... I don't know why we're doing it, to be honest. Life's pretty good here on the ground. It's gonna, <laughs> it's gonna make for a good video. Uh, and a good next, experience for us. What's the next question? Okay, I really like this one. This one is from Ambro1899. Um, he gave us a five-star review. Thank you, Ambro, really appreciate that. Here's what he said. One question I have. Have making these podcasts help you take a look at your YouTube channels and YouTube videos with a different perspective? Samir and I talked about this a little bit yesterday. I think this was the one question we looked at before doing this. And the main thing that it's done is opened us up to the idea of being a little bit more transparent about our lives and the way that we're feeling. I think it's a little bit tougher to do with a video, but like with a video that there can be gaps where you don't have the right footage to tell the story you want to tell in the truest way. But with audio, there are no gaps because you can consistently just talk and fill it in. Right? And that's like a liberating feeling that like there's no story that we can't tell to the fullest extent. Right? Yeah. I think the first time that we recorded a podcast, the one thing that was really interesting is that when you normally make videos, you, you acquire all of this footage. Yep. Yeah. I thought we would take this turn for a quieter street. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's not what happened. Let's wait for this guy uh, to move on. Yeah. A lot of unexpected things, but I guess that's what we were signing up for. More scooters on the left here? Yeah. So the first time we recorded a podcast, the thing that's interesting is when you make a video, you acquire a ton of footage. And then once you have all that footage, that's when like serious hours and hours and hours of work comes, which is editing. And when we first recorded a podcast, you take that hour long audio and maybe there's like a little bit in the front, a little bit in the back that you clip off, but then that's the piece of content. It's uncut, it's raw, it's 45 minutes or an hour of just us talking. 
we're never uncut on the internet until we yeah. started this podcast. It feels really good. It feels like therapy in a way. You just talk mm -hmm. for like an hour and then you're done. You get to move on. You don't have like, sometimes with editing, you can feel like the pressure after you've shot and like, if a project goes on for too long, you lose sort of that feeling you had yeah. when you first shot it. Mm -hmm. But with audio, you just get to be in the moment and then it's done, you're out. Totally, it's, it's, it's made us, I think, more present with creation. It's made us uh, more open and transparent with what we wanna share because we've naturally shared more things and been more honest on the podcast than we have on YouTube videos. So yeah, it's totally changed our perspective and I think we'll continue to as we make more episodes. Next question. Next question. Uh, this is a very long review, but thank you for it. Uh, <laughs> the username here is this book stinks, okay. which is uh, pretty funny. But this is a long question. Let me let me spend some time reading this. Um, the question here: I feel interested in creating videos and using them as a way to share my perspective. However, I feel like there's a certain level of narcissism that goes along with making videos. When I wanna tell people about my interest in starting a YouTube channel, I feel like it, it can come across as, I deserve to make money off my personality slash my opinion. I think this is more apparent with people who expect to make money off of YouTube. Um, let's see. Without any other special circumstance, like being a interesting in an interesting situation or being a talented editor. Personally, the amount of people watching my videos or the money I make is irrelevant compared to my personal satisfaction with making videos. What advice do you have for ex escaping the stigma that follows YouTuber? Wow, what a question. It's a good question. Advice for escaping the stigma that comes along with being a well, YouTuber. Well, let's talk about this first. What, what is the stigma of a YouTuber? I think the stigma of like influencer in general, someone who puts their life out on the internet, it's kind of what this person was saying is that like you're someone who's very self-absorbed and you think that your latte from Blue Bottle with almond or oat milk is something that's deserving of entertainment. Sure. Right? That like that's something people would be interested in and I think people who and, and like he said when there's a monetary angle to it people who maybe like work a different type of job would look at that and be like it's kind of BS. Right? Mm -hmm. So th there's a stigma that your life isn't entertainment. But the reality is, is that people's lives are becoming entertainment and they're in control of producing the story. That wasn't the case, you know, years and years ago, right? There was sure. business who was involved in entertainment. And it was like you had to make a Hollywood film or you had to go down certain routes to be, to be able to entertain tons of people, get on the radio. But now it's, it's a lot more democratic. Yeah, and I, I think the interesting thing is that, um, you know, in his question, he didn't, he didn't really ever bring up um, entertainment that might be the thing he really wants to do, but it sounded like his passion was in uh, making videos and connecting with others, and obviously there is a angle of like, if I want to make something and someone wants to watch it, there, it's entertainment. Yeah. But I think if, uh, you know, he mentioned he, he doesn't have like a monetary desire. So in my opinion, like, I, I don't exactly, I understand the stigma of like influencer, I don't think I ever looked at YouTuber probably in the way that a lot of people look at it, whether that be like, I think probably I would assume when people think YouTuber, they think Jake Paul, Logan Paul, first things that come to mind and they probably have a negative connotation with that. 
Small Sorry, plane overhead. Small plane overhead. Stand by. But I think of it as like, like what an incredible place to uh, share perspective and share like a craft that you and I might not have had an avenue for this, yeah, right? I look at it much more as like, putting videos on YouTube is just an opportunity for self-expression and I think everyone deserves the opportunity to express themselves. Mm -hmm. And you can do that on YouTube or on Instagram. So here's, here's what I would say as advice. Um, how do you shake that stigma or how do you? I thought um, I just stepped in dog poop. That would have been end of podcast. End of podcast, yeah. I would have shut it down. So, so here's my advice. Um, I think start to really think about why you wanna make YouTube videos. And as long as you're really clear about wanting to make YouTube videos for yourself and for your own craft and uh, to develop your, yeah. your own like skill set, because anytime Colin and I have gone at a creative project with the immediate lens of like making money or gaining audience or something like that, it generally doesn't work out the way we wanted it to. No. But if we're really excited about what we're doing and it's like we're really making this because we love to make this kind of stuff, yeah. it, it has led us into interesting places. I would also just take the word YouTube out of it for your peace of mind. When we were at Bufferfest, there was a panel with all these creators and someone asked them, what would you do if YouTube went away tomorrow? And this one creator, Dodie, she just said, she was like, I'll just upload videos somewhere else. It's just a place to upload videos, right? Like the video is the core of what you're doing and the core of your self-expression. Mm -hmm. YouTube just happens to be the platform. Yeah, so I, I think that's, uh, that's the... Wow, I've totally gone through this. Wow, you've already finished your coffee. Yeah. Okay, if we start talking really fast, um, that's because we are chugging coffee Very right now. caffeinated. Um, all right, here's a question from Bert Colin Jammin. Uh, said, love it guys, keep it up. Thank you, Bert, and thank you for your review of the podcast. Uh, this is Ben. He submitted to Weekend Film Fest with a video called A Little Snack Mission. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for submitting. And thank you again for the review. Here we go. Here's the question. As a filmmaker, how do you develop your own style? Well-known well -known directors like Tarantino and Scorsese have distinct styles, and it seems to be a key part of their success as storytellers. I would love for you guys to shed some light on this topic. I mean, a lot of the biggest filmmakers have distinct styles, but they all grabbed influence from some place. They didn't start right away with that style. I think we're still trying to find a style, and it's been completely based off of two things. Taking inspiration from other filmmakers and experimenting as often as we can. And through that process of just putting out lots of quantity, we have come down we're getting closer to what our style is. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I, I would think if you're starting out as a filmmaker, there's really nowhere else to look other than like in yourself, which would be just experimentation, going out and trying, or what's already out there. I don't think that's a bad thing. I agree, and, and I had a conversation with Thomas from Yes Theory about this, and here's what he said. Um, he said, don't let copying or being influenced by someone's style hinder you from starting. Because totally. he said naturally, if you wanna make films, there's probably a moment of influence of you being like, man, I wanna make a film like that. And if you wanna do that, you can totally do that. 
because that will get you with a camera in your hand, starting to edit and starting to learn about how to do the craft. And again, like Colin said, the more you do it, the more you're gonna develop your own style. And so, you know, like the first couple times I made videos when I think about high school or even younger, like as a young kid, I was making stuff just exactly like what I saw. Totally. Like when the Matrix came out, my brother and I wanted to make our own version of the Matrix. Yeah. And we did that. And that got us with cameras in hands, editing, writing, thinking. Like if you're inspired by someone, start creating like that person and just do that so that you start creating um, and then develop your own style through that. Something you can always do, and this is what we did early on at the Lacrosse Network as we were making videos about the sport of lacrosse, you know, both Samir and I took a lot of inspiration from action sports, from skateboarding, snowboarding, surfing, and the videos that those communities were putting out. And it, it didn't feel as much like copying when we were taking some of those ideas and some of that inspiration, but bringing it into a new space that hadn't seen it yet. Yeah, right? totally. I mean, the, the, again, like we said, we've been making videos for six years, and yesterday we had a conversation where we did some writing around what is our style, what makes a Colin and Samir video. We're still not there. Yeah. And, you know, we, we keep experimenting with what feels good, what feels fun for us to create. If you've been following our YouTube channel, you've noticed there's been a ton of different styles. And on YouTube, like, even the biggest creators, everyone gets a comment that says, this is just like Casey Neistat. Yeah, that's or, true. Or like, this is, yeah, I mean, 100%. So like, you like, it's just part of the deal. Yeah, if you like, today, I think if you like cut cool B-roll to music, everyone's like, this is everyone's like, like Casey. Oh, there he is. Yeah, this yeah. <laughs> is like Casey. So it just is what it is. Yeah. Hey, that's the BuzzFeed Worth It car. Oh, yeah. That was cool. I love that show. I see that car all the time, which it's makes all me think, over how many Venice. of those cars do they have? I feel like there's got to be a lot of them. All right, here we go. This one is from Clay Terrell 3. Uh, he says, I love what you guys are doing and really enjoyed following along. Thank you for the review, Clay. With other YouTubers following the podcast trend, you've created something that sticks and stands out. Wow, that's really nice. Appreciate that. All right. Wait for this motorcycle and then I will read your question. My question for next week's episode, tell us about your office slash studio. What do you use it for and what are others using it for? It's a really unique creative space. Yeah, um, so. It's a very unique creative space. Uh, and I, I think we tried to one time make a video about it. We did. Yeah, that video didn't, didn't come out. It didn't come out, but I actually think it was like, it was pretty cool. I didn't, to tell I had a problem story. with it. You had something. a problem with it. I don't remember what I don't the remember what it was, but. Anyway, um, so the space is a warehouse in Los Angeles. It is uh, something that my dad has owned since the 1980s. And when we were starting our first company, we were based out of my bedroom in my parents' house. And it was like a six foot folding table with uh, just some computers on it. And as we started to get more serious, it was, it was harder to you know, run meetings or even just work out of my bedroom. We also had Colin moving out soon mm -hmm. uh, to Los Angeles. And I told him we had an office. And, and I did not believe you had an office. didn't believe me, uh, but yeah. we had been working on it. And so what we did was looking for office space. We didn't have any money. And my dad offered to allow us to clean out two rooms in this warehouse and turn it into an office space. Um, so and that's the first place that I worked when I moved out yeah. to Los Angeles. And it was an incredibly transformative space for me because 
Honestly, like when you look at that space now, it's beautiful. It is the ultimate in terms of creative space. It's like cool floors, exposed brick, yeah. high beams. It's awesome. All the gear you could imagine. All the gear yeah. you can imagine. But back then, we had like just the cameras that we owned ourselves. It was drop ceiling, carpet, hot. It was so hot in there. And it wasn't close to anything. Like there yeah. was not, you couldn't really it was walk a subway anything. down the street. We ate way too much subway. <laughs> yeah. But really, like it was a beautiful constraint in a way mm -hmm. because nothing else mattered except for the work that we did. I had no concept of what it meant to be like young and working in a cool office. Yeah. That was not something that I ever thought to myself, oh, I wish we were here or in a WeWork or there. Mm. Even though we eventually moved into a WeWork, mm -hmm. we spent two to three years in that warehouse just making videos in our own little world. And it just showed me that like, the work that you do during the hours that we're all together is the most important. It's the basis for why we're all there. It's not necessarily like how cool your view is or like the functions that your office space puts on or something. Yeah. Wow, more little planes. Yeah, Santa Monica Airport. Is I that think. the type of plane we're gonna jump out of? Definitely. Uh, that's cool. Is it cool? I th I'm excited, <laughs> man. I'm excited to conquer a fear. Like, that's... I don't know. I told you yesterday. Fun. Let's you talk wanna... about skydiving when we're on the ground at the end. And okay. then we can have a whole other podcast so we're, about we're, it. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to have a podcast about it. We're, we're going to be skydiving in Colorado, um, close to Boulder, Colorado, which is where Colin went to college. Yep. And, uh, yeah, we're probably going to go to your college town afterwards, have a coffee, which is normally what we do to celebrate. Yep. We're going to relax. And relax. Celebrate life. Yeah, it'll be great. Okay, so back to the question about the studio. Um, so the studio now is called the studio. Back then, it, it was kind of hard to call it a studio. It was just just an office uh, warehouse. And what we did is, as our company started to grow and eventually get acquired, we ended up moving out of there. It was unrealistic to hire more people in there and expect people to work out of this like really hot small space that really wasn't that functional. And we moved out into a WeWork. And WeWork, if you don't know what it is, it's a co-working space that's like incredibly beautiful. It's like well put together. There's yeah. so there's like tons of young companies in there. I mean, it's the polar opposite of that. Um, I think it's more of like a social function than it is an office space. Yeah, sorry, I'm gonna just check our batteries right now. Cool. And we are good, but almost dead on batteries. So on the H4N? On the H4N. Let's go for another five minutes or so. All right. Just put two, wow. two sets of fresh batteries in there. The thing has almost died. Um, okay, so what I was going to say is when we moved out and we went into this WeWork, it was a lot easier to bring in new members of our team. Definitely. Um, because, you know, everything was set up. It was in beautiful Santa Monica. And um, while that was happening, my dad and I decided that we should convert that warehouse space into a photography and content creation studio because my family is in the clothing business. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some shots of me posting pictures in our new men's shirts. And uh, because we're in the clothing business, it made sense to turn it into a content studio. Um, and so yeah, that's, that's it today. Colin and I have moved in there and create a lot of content out of there. And there's a lot of photography that happens out of there. People rent it. Um, we've actually shot Yes Theory's clothing line in there. We'll be doing that this week as well. Again, um, so yeah, it's, it's an amazing creative space. It's a great place to host different creators. We're meeting up with Matt Diavella today. Yeah, he's coming by the studio today, so. Having a studio is a blessing, man. I walk around it all the time, and I look around, 
and it stands for a lot of hard work that happened in the beginning yeah um, and continues to stand for a place where we go to create and it's again it's not in a cool area it's not by anything else it's just this literally like, like just a roof just a roof with gear and i mean places. now it's honestly it's really cool now you bring people in yeah. there and it's like it's really impressive it, the front room's like a coffee shop it's a place to it's bring awesome. ideas to life now man and, and the cool thing about it is it's just not about anything else it's just you go in there and it's just like yeah, it sort of remained creative. that way from the early days when it was not cool looking um okay so i think we're gonna run out of battery very soon so let's see if we can we're definitely out of coffee and we're definitely out of coffee so let me just watch this real quick Let's see if we can answer one more question. Okay, last question. Uh, this one comes from Nick, or Hick, Nick, I don't know how to say this name, but uh, thank you for your review. Really appreciate that. Here is the question. All right. My question to Colin Samir is, if you, wow, this is a very strange question. I did not read this before this. My question to Colin and Samir is, if you could choose any animal to upscale to the size of a horse, what would it be and why? Keep creating, guys. Whoa, didn't see that one coming? Didn't see that one coming. Any animal to upscale to the size of a horse. Okay. All right, that's it for the Colin and Samir podcast. <laughs> what a crazy question to end on. I don't know, maybe a turtle, because that would be like really crazy. Probably go like a chihuahua or something, like. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm yeah. kind of at a loss for words okay. on All that right. one. Well, uh, thank you to everyone who has reviewed the podcast and who has put in questions. We couldn't get to all of them today. But if you guys have more questions, just rate and review our podcast. Leave a question in the reviews. We check those regularly. Um, it helps us in general if you review the podcast, and we thought it was a fun way to interact with you guys. If you could leave a question, and we could answer it on the podcast. This was a very interesting experience for us to walk around uh, let us know what you think about this. Uh, should we do this more? Should we uh, maybe give us something to do, like a challenge, and we yeah. can do like log an audio experience? It. Yeah, we'll do an audio experience, a vlogcast, yeah. um, which would be really fun. So keep following along on the podcast. Subscribe if you haven't already, and check out our YouTube channel. Like we mentioned at the top of this episode, we made a video about our friend Red Gaskell, who brought a idea to life in the form of a book and ended up becoming a number one bestseller on Amazon. All right, that's it. That's From it for the Venice, show. California, signing off.